Last night, Sid Straw posted something on Facebook. It was one of the coolest music shows I'd ever seen involving Al Green, Sun Ra, the Pixies, and her, Sid Straw. And I thought it would be great to visit my 2016 conversation with Sid to start the day off on thedalewileyshow.com. I'm here today with Sid Straw, who's had just a fantastic and interesting career in the music so business so good. and on TV. So far, and so, so far, so good. Absolutely. So uh, how is Vermont today, Sid? So heartbreakingly beautiful, bare trees, skinny limbs, confused weather patterns. <laughs> In well, a in a, a weather driven economy, Vermont is kind of a, a weather driven. You know, uh, it's it's a funny winter we're having, so people are nervous. But I am I'm enjoying the temperate climbs. I'm just grateful. Uh, and you moved to Vermont about ten years ago. Is that right, or a little longer? Well, I moved here. I guess you know when I was about six months old. Okay. And I've been bouncing back ever since. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, Sid, what was uh, – you kind of had an interesting upbringing. Your your dad was in some movies and did some different things. And So tell me, what, what was your first introduction to music? Oh, let's see. Probably seeing my father entertain at our inn in Vermont. Okay. In little town Weston, and uh, I think that was the first, you know, up close. You know, he was a great entertainer, and I saw that at a very young age. Was, and then I was um, in the act at a very young age. What was what kind of music did he like? Well, great songs. As it turns out. I always thought that my dad wrote them, but it turns out that Burt Bacharach and Hal David wrote some of them. Right. Funny. Right. Yeah, my dad used to do this, Guys in Love With You, and I was like, that's my dad's song. When I <laughs> I saw Burt Bacharach do it on the show, and I was like, God, I can't believe he's doing my dad's song. This is great. <laughs> that's funny. And so how old was, uh, or how old were you when he was, kind of hitting his stride with the pajama game and some of those movies. Oh, I wasn't born yet, really. Okay. Um, and, and I so wasn't that, quite there yet, but my my big brother Peter was. If we could find him, we could ask him. <laughs> what are your, uh, you know, you've kind of chronicled kind of a difficult um, relationship between your mom and your dad uh, on some of those things, what are what are some of the now things? Now they're gone and they can't stand up for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what are your what are some of your memories of your mom and your dad? And, and uh, I mean, well, you know, the best memories are that they both Dale they both had incredibly beautiful voices. Okay, uh, they both were wonderful singers. That's that's the best memory. They both were, I mean, fantastic. My mother was described more than once as a spine tingler. And my dad uh, 
had just a very legitimate, beautiful voice uh, and also was just a really good actor. Yeah. So, um, that's, uh, I did a lot of shows when I was a kid. And when I was in high school, I would come from California to Vermont and do summer stock at the Weston Playhouse with my dad. And we would do a lot of the great musicals. So that was a pretty incredible, early, great experience to do sort of guys and dolls and um, <laughs> uh, some of the great with my dad. And so what was the first thing that really knocked you out musically? Kind of what was the first record or the first band or whatever? That is tough because it was probably something my parents were playing. Uh-huh. You know? Probably yeah, Frank absolutely. Sinatra. Well, Frank Sinatra would be a, a good first one, that's for sure. Um, that was probably the first voice that really knocked me out. I was like, that, well, that's a human voice that can do so much. <laughs> Absolutely. And I so, knew that that mother was listening around the house, the many houses. The many houses. So you kind of bounced from coast to coast. Is that how it worked for you, East Coast, West Coast? So. Sure. sure. That sounds good. <laughs> And so you eventually kind of wound up in, in California. Is that, I mean... You know, it's amazing. It, you know, of course the path's not taken. That's something to think about, but not that hard because the paths that you actually got on and took are pr probably pretty interesting interesting enough, you know? Oh, absolutely. But, uh, you think about the friends you met because you moved somewhere and you wouldn't have met them unless you moved somewhere. And Right. Uh, I am, you know, in my house in Vermont looking at a picture of my oldest pal. Uh, it's a picture I, that just surfaced. I just got back to my house. I've been off working and doing things. But this picture of my oldest pal surfaced, and he's a teenager in this picture, and you should see his his hair is so beautiful. It's my pal Taylor Negron, who died a year ago. Yes. Uh, and uh, so, uh, I don't know why that's coming up, but you know, Lou Whitney. It was just a year of it was a year of tremendous departures. You know, before even David Bowie, and you know, it's just really something. Good to right. get back to my full house. Well, I think that, you know, I mean, because I know you wrote a lot about your friendship with Taylor, Taylor Negron, who was kind of one of those faces you might not know the name, but you definitely know the face, and you've definitely seen him in, in a lot of different things. And He had the uh, best word for it. He wrote about it, and he called it, He's like, he goes, I'm not famous, I'm famish. <laughs> Famous. So, I think that kind of describes things really well. <laughs> and um, so, tell me, tell me about Taylor. I know he was really important to you. Tell, tell me about him. Wow. Well, he was early on, and obviously from the get-go, the most talented person I would ever know. Wow. 
I met him on a National Honor Society field trip to visit some beautiful tide pools and uh, in, in Southern California. So we were friends at, at, at gawky, awkward, early ages. And so that's tough. That's, you know, and when he, in all of this loss, it's really tough to lose your oldest pal. Yeah, That's absolutely. And, and he was so, a lot of people's best pal. So there's a, a lot of people missing him. A lot of good grace around it. And so I guess you would, I mean, being in, in kind of the different endeavors that you were in here, there, and everywhere, um, was he kind of the one that you always kept up with, always wrote letters to, um, maintain that friendship throughout? We had a really beautiful, tough friendship. Sometimes we were really madder than hell at each other. We'd be out of touch for a while, <laughs> sort of like a real brother or something. Right. Anyhow, I uh hoping to see his mother in Palm Springs in the near future. Oh, oh very, very nice. So... When you um you, when you started singing with with Pat Benatar, was that kind of the moment that things started to come together in your career? Or tell me what God, was going on around that time. But it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was super fun. It was really just two weeks of work at this club um, in New York. And it was sort of while she became famous. Uh-huh. The club ramps, and everyone came to hear her sing. And she was amazing and is amazing. And the funny thing is, I haven't seen her in many, many years, but I am in touch with uh, the, the household, the family, because uh, um, her lovely husband, Neil, and I are writing back and forth and trying to write a song and such. Oh wow! Well, Neil just keeps coming up in every conversation. He's he's nicest obviously possible. What's that? He's the nicest person possible. <laughs> well, that's what I've heard, and he's good nicest friends with Scott Kipner and so many different I can't people. See them, and I'm heading out to California, so I'm hoping to see them. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, that's what kind of song are you working on? One song or many songs with him, or what? Um, what are you doing there? You know what? It's just a kind of experiment that I don't think it behooves me to say much more than that. Okay. But also, you know what's great is uh, the mail, the cyber mail. Uh-huh. People don't have time to talk on the phone, you know? Like, even when your super great friends call, sometimes you're busy walking up a dirt road for the first time in a month and a half, and you just don't want to talk on the phone. Sure. Even though it's like sweetest friend calling, you're like, ah, I just want to walk up this dirt road right now. Nobody really has time to talk on the phone anymore. So it's good, these cyber notes, and I think you can get a lot done this way. Sure. And in, when people find the time, it's good. I don't know. I'll try anything twice. <laughs> so... Uh, after doing the Pat Benatar stint, you you started working some with the Golden Palominos, and tell me about that. That was super 
or, you know, a crazy way to, my first tour, I remember getting on the tour bus and our bass player was Jack Bruce. Right. And Michael Stipe was on the, on the bus and one of my favorite singers and poets and, uh, Bernie Worrell from Parliament Funkadelic and the tender Bernie Worrell, genius. Uh-huh. Peter Blake, genius. Jody Harris, genius. Amazing, you know. I think uh, Chris wow. Damey was there. Lovely genius. So, I don't know. That was my first tour. And I just thought, well, I knew. I did know. I didn't know how lucky I was, but I damn well knew that I was lucky. <laughs> and 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 so, what what lessons um, did you learn about what you needed to do, what you needed to be better at, what you found out you might be better at that you, than you thought? I mean, tell me about it. Well, you know, I learned how to front a damn band. Uh huh. So that was a good experience. Um, and I learned how to play with powerful people, which I continue to love to do. Um, right, right. You don't mind surrounding yourself with the very best. I, I think that's been I prefer it. I prefer it if they'll have me. <laughs> <laughs> And and of course the golden golden palominos are so interesting because they started off in the most experimental type of um, uh, lineup that you could have with John Zorn and those kind of things. But but then I mean they've just kind of been whoever's around at the time and in some really uh, great and wonderful stuff. So is there anything about your working with them that you uh, that stands out to you? You know what's interesting, I I think, is that I looked just the other day for some reason, and I I realized there's almost no Golden Palominos video, YouTube, anything regarding me with them. There's a few things from a get-together we had like four or five years ago, and then there's some stuff from like the late 80s or something, but... Uh Um, that's it. And I think it's so interesting. Uh, I don't know why that is. Well, um, after, after that kind of, um, after your stint working there, you created a, a solo album that had a, a lot of impact on, on a lot of people called Surprise. And that includes me. I just, uh, when that came out, I think I listened to Future 40s. Um, about every 20 minutes. I mean, that was just a, a great wow. song and a great record. <laughs> That's so fun. Uh, did you ever see the video? Oh, yeah, yeah, the Athens and L.A. video. That's pretty yeah. great. And so... Uh, that was my kitchen. That was my kitchen on Flores Street. <laughs> well, the uh, your connection to Athens was was Michael Stipe, right? I mean, you didn't live in Athens, did you? I did live in Athens. I married a man who lived in Athens and lived in Athens for a while. Uh-huh. Oddly enough, after I worked with Michael and all that, it's just kind of wow, it's so interesting. But that's where Dennis lived, so that's yeah. where I did live for a while. 
Yep. Actually, I love Athens. Oh, I do too. Athens is one of my favorite cities uh, anywhere. I think it's great. Or towns, whatever you want to call it. Um, But tell me about, because again, you had this kind of amazing group of people playing on that record, Richard Thompson and you know, who's just one of my heroes and so many other things. I mean, how did, how did that come about? Let's see. Well, you know, Richard played on Golden Palomino's record too. Right. Right. So that's how I initially had a contact with Richard. But as I recall, Anton wouldn't let me anywhere near the studio when Richard was recording. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I made sure to get his contact information on my own, you know. <laughs> so he's really one of my very favorite musicians anywhere. So any chance that I have to do anything with him is, you know, a great chance I would jump at. So right. um I go, my alliance with him goes way back. So, um, wait, what was the question? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, kind of a, a, you, you answered it, but I'll ask you a little follow-up too. When, when there was a tribute album to Richard, you did, uh, for shame of doing wrong. And, and how did you choose that song? And, uh, because I tell you, you definitely handled that about as well as anybody can hope to handle something following Linda Thompson singing. I mean, I really like your version. Nobody of can follow Linda Thompson, period. <laughs> you know, it's like she's, she's, um, you know what I mean? It's like trying to follow Aretha or something. Well, Forget I mean, it. That's, but that's what I liked about your version is you didn't really follow Linda. You you took it and gave it your own spin, and um, and, and that's what I found interesting about it. You know what I remember about that recording is we did it in the key that was most favorable for um, Evan. <laughs> oh, really? I, yeah, I remember uh, um, thinking, well, he sounds really good here. This, I'll make it work. <laughs> but it wasn't ideal for me, but I think it's okay, you know. I, I, uh, you know what's funny is I, there was that recording that was years ago, and then I only ever saw Evan once, and it was at one of my favorite sushi joints downtown. <laughs> there you go. He, he's kind of, uh, he was sure hot for a while, and, and when, when you're doing that song, I actually think that, the range, you know, suits you pretty well. So I, that may be one of those lucky accidents where, where there's another well, uh, for... I'll have to give that another spin, Dale. Yeah, you definitely should. I should remind myself here and there what I've done because I don't sit around listening to it, but um, some here and there I realize it's quite a little body of work. Uh, there's there's a lot to it. It's really It's really an interesting thing. And, of course, um, then for your next record, War and Peace, you um, went to a town close to my heart, Springfield, Missouri, and made a record. And how did that come about? Uh, well, you know, I've been in love with various 
various formations of the skeletons, morels, uh, and anything Lou Whitney, you know, for so so many years. And I first went to Springfield with my old pal Roscoe Eric Amble, and we made a really really fun record, Roscoe's Gang. Right. With the skeletons. Right. At Lou Whitney's studio, the studio in Springfield, the town we all love. And um uh so I'm always, always so happy about that that was a great, you know, introduction to them and to that town and to playing great music in that town and that studio. And then uh I made another record there in 1996 it's it's so long ago i'm i'm wishing somebody would put it out it's 20 years it's right oh yeah oh yeah that's what i'm kind of um looking into when i go to california this week oh wow so um um i i uh i i had the best time ever recording with the skeletons they can play and do play anything we know this, right? <laughs> and um, and you know that that record has a lot of the songs you know that you're well associated with, love and the lack of it, and some of those other things. But then you also did a great version of Harper Valley PTA uh, when you oh, w- that was when yeah, they, oh. you were down there for that too, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I get the name check. I changed exactly. the name in the song into the skeleton's names, which is my little secret victory. Um, it worked out pretty well, I think. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a great version that if people haven't heard, they should definitely check that out. But so um, fun. maybe you'll play it for the people. Well, and and you know if if you had to pick some songs off of those records, the, the first couple of records and. In Pink Velour, what what are some of your highlights of of your records? My own highlights. Yeah, your favorites. <laughs> I mean, things that you. The one I'm working with. on. The one I'm working on now. <laughs> right, but if there's a... my favorite one. Oh well, I mean, it should be your favorite one, the one you're working on. But are there tracks that stand out on those other records that? Um, no, they're all terrible. I hate them. <laughs> no, uh, I will say that I think, I think here and there I've tried to make little movies and a song like Actress or Pink Velour on the record Pink Velour. Right. Those songs are kind of like little movies that I've sent out there that I'm hoping to make. And um, uh, those are good to listen to. Yeah, I mean, Pink Floor is a, is a great song. I mean, it, it's got a lot of, you know, really atmosphere. I mean, it's got a great atmosphere, but then it's also got some really um, striking lyrics as well. And obviously well, that's... Thank you. That's, well, that's very... Um, kind of an autobiographical song for you um, in some ways. I mean, is that how you describe it? I would say that's pretty good one-word description uh-huh. <laughs> or two. Pretty autobiographical, two-word yeah. description. There you go. 
And so the next record that you're making, tell me what's going to be on there. What what are we expecting? Well, I, I I'm I'm going through a jazz phase. Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling like I want to sing some of the standards in a um um in double standards even and uh that's part of it. But also I realized, you know, it's funny at about 5 this morning I'm always awake at 5 a.m. I don't I don't know why. But this uh-huh. this morning I was making a list of the songs that I am recording for this record, and I really like them. I thought, oh, huh. Well, I wonder if these first five, maybe I'm just going to put out an EP. Uh huh. And that would be these first five songs, because they seem to just want to be together, and they tell their own little story. Right. And uh, so maybe that's what I'm going to do first thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Any any ideas of who's going to play on it or what's going to yes, happen? Yes, Don Don Piper. I do everything. He's like my right hand thumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't go hitchhiking without him. Right. And uh, he's great. And then, um, well, uh, Mark Repo, he's on there. Wow. And uh, it's kind of sparse. Okay. In the the production uh, heft, but not value. (laughs) You know, uh, you kind of had this career that has lent itself to a lot of different genres of music i mean you've you've done songs with wilco and the skeletons and things like that and and then you know but you can also count mark rebo as a friend and and some more experimental stuff and and hearing some jazz stuff sounds pretty neat i'm excited to hear what that'll be like you know i just recorded in new york a few days ago dale with a beautiful um trumpet and piano and voice that was a lovely trio. Boy, I we were making a good racket. That's I'll have to <laughs> see about that. Yeah, you might like this. I wish I could play it for you. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't uh I maybe I can figure out how. I don't know. Uh-huh. I I recorded it on my voice recorder app on my broken cell phone here that we're talking on. <laughs> so that's very modern. I was thinking, you know, I wish when I toured with the skeletons and everything, I wish that, you know, it was just before, well, it was just the advent of cell phones and technology and things. And you know what I remember it as? When I toured with the skeletons, I had my first cell phone, Dale, and I didn't understand about roaming charges. (laughs) So we went on the road and I just used my phone. I drove, and I, w- I was doing interviews on the phone from all kinds of states while driving and passing the phone around so everyone could call home and check in and do things and keep their thing going. And then I got home from that 
three week tour on the road, and I I remember that the bill was like five thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, wow! Lord. Yeah, that hurt. That'll learn you. That'll learn you. That'll that'll sure learn you. That's for sure. That'll learn. Oh boy. So for the the people who who know and or or the ones who don't know Lou Whitney, uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Lou. Uh, only the funniest person who ever manned an analog board. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was just the funniest person you could ever want to spend time with, and. You know, when you were recording with Lou, that you were just, it sounded the way it should or as close as we could get to it sounding the way it should. Uh-huh. And uh, it really was so darn funny that, and of course, I'm sorry, I just really, I'm the product of a funny father, so I really appreciate, I appreciate a funny bass player, and Lou Whitney certainly was. <laughs> there. So, uh, and you know, that band, I don't know. I I hope they would maybe they'd want to do some playing with me. I want to come play with them. Well, you know, I'll I'll definitely let them know that because they uh they I think they enjoyed that as much as you did. I think that was a good match. Our 20 year anniversary and we could do the like where the fuck is Lou Whitney tour. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It's it's hard, you know. It's really, really hard to be in this world without certain people. And Lou is one of those beloved people. Uh, And I was on tour, actually, two summers ago. Uh And I was playing the nicest place in St. Louis, um, the Broadway. Oh, Off-Broadway, yes. Off-Broadway. Uh-huh. And, you know, I was playing there with my friend Don Piper, and we were doing a little tour, and of our whole tour, they gave us the best guarantee, and I think about 20 people came out to the show, 20 awesome, really attentive people. I bought everyone drinks. <laughs> there you go. And... Um, we had a, a really great time, but I felt bad because it just fell on a difficult night, and I didn't. I haven't played in St. Louis in so long. I the worst happened, which was that I feared really almost no one would come. But the people that did come were so awesome. We had a great time, but I do want to go back to Off Broadway and just do a benefit for them or something. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, the, the long-windedness of it being that Lou, Louis Bernard Whitney, was also in St. Louis that night, and he was at the hospital. We we had plans to meet the next morning, and uh, I think he he had surgery instead the next morning. Oh. And so he couldn't see anyone then we were in the same town we were talking on the phone and that's the last time time i did get to speak to lou Um, i was just excited to be in st louis a town where i did play with them at mississippi nights uh before that club went down 
and right. uh, um, and played there with Golden Palominos and things like that, and uh, the Bottle Rockets and uh, um, stuff like that. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Oh, no. I mean, you just had such an interesting run with so many different people, so many great collaborations. And and then, you know, in, in the middle of all of it, to, to wind up on Adventures of Pete and Pete and some of the other places you've, you've acted, I mean, you've definitely, yeah. you know, you've kind of worked both sides of, of, of the street, for sure. And, That's uh, super fun. That show is, has real legs. I wish... Where's the movie already? Like, if they can make 82, um, you know, Sex in the City films. Right. <laughs> why, why not one Adventures of Pete and Pete and Pete and Pete? I figured, like, it would be about, like, the Pete and Pete's are grown up and they have kids and they name them Pete and Pete and everyone's right. Pete and Pete and Pete. And Pete. <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. practically written the thing. Um, did, I know, how, did, and I, I need a job, and that would be so fun to bring back Miss Fingerwood. It really would. Here <laughs> and there, because of uh, because of DVD technology, and they put it out, so it has a kind of whole new um, set of wings. And so once in a while, I'll be somewhere, like getting a donut somewhere, and some kid will look up at me kind of bewildered and go, are you Miss Fingerwood? <laughs> what can I say? I am Miss Fingerwood, yes. And thank you that, for asking. That's child pretty of mine. fantastic. I mean, that's, Isn't that fun? That that's show is so wonderful. It's got a lot of uh, a lot of good grace around it. I love everybody involved, everybody involved. <laughs> how did you yeah. get involved? How did, how did you get that job? I got the job by being the most Sid Straw type person they could find to play the math teacher. <laughs> there you go. Well, you'll win that every time. <laughs> I got the job exactly that way. They were wow. like, hmm, we're not going to find anyone much more Sid Straw like than you. <laughs> That's true. Well, are Let's there take a shot? Other than your your jazz um, excursion that you're into right now, is there anything else that we're going to be seeing out of you anytime soon? Yes. Real uh, sparse, velvet underground-ish, banal rock also. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Very, very cool. I feel like really, really banal. And uh, I think the simpler, the better. People are busy. Right. Um, come in from the cold. Shake it off. Get it on. Get, and then get the hell out of there. Go back out into the night. But uh, don't forget to come out and have a good time. It's really right. important. And, and that's what I feel like we're providing. We've uh-huh. been playing a lot at this little joint in New York City in the East Village on Avenue A called Hi-Fi Bar. It used to be called Brownies, and everybody used to play there. Oh, yeah. Same same owner, Mike Studo, and now he calls it Hi-Fi. And we've just been playing there uh, pretty much, well, irregularly, frankly, but having a great time rocking out on Avenue A and just um, 
in, encouraging people to come out on a Monday or a Wednesday night and just have a good time. Wow. Don't expect to play on Avenue A. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. That that sounds great. So, well, Sid, I'm glad you had time to sit down with me and, and talk about so many of the different things you've done, and, and I can't wait for people to get to hear that, and, and I sure thank you for your time. You know what I'm calling the new record, Dale, so far? What? All that is not given is lost. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I just thought you should know. Absolutely. Well, we'll. And no, I can't you... remember. Did I say anything worth telling? Oh, I loved it. It was great. I feel like I was a little, I was a little low key because I'm sitting here staring at a picture of teenage Taylor Negron, dead <laughs> and gone. Talking about Lou Bernard Whitney, dead and gone. David Bowie. It's hard to go on. Right. You know. All I can say is turn it up. Turn it up. Let's do it. Okay, thank you, Sid. I really appreciate it. Let me know how it goes. Let me know if I make it past editing, Dale. Okay, I sure will. I'll send you the stuff. Thanks. Yes, Sid, you definitely made it past editing on DaleWileyShow.com.